welcome to the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight Podcast. I am David Lindsay, co-founder, lead educator, and speaker at Phenom Leap Education. At Phenom Leap Education, we believe people have so much more inside of them than they realize. And through our services, we help them become the best versions of themselves possible. Beyond the individual, we also believe that company culture is such a large part in creating a business that not only survives, but will thrive through the tough times as we have all been through the last few years. So over the next 20 to 30 minutes, we'll be shining a spotlight on businesses that have achieved this and how you may be able to incorporate some of their ideas and philosophies into your business. Stick around until the end and I'll reveal how you can become a guest on a future podcast. Now is the time to sit back, take down some notes and enjoy this episode of the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight Podcast. In today's episode, I'm excited to have this guest on board and I'm sure that everyone will get loads of value from this episode. Today, we have a former professional athlete, award-winning senior level executive, global wellness ambassador, global wellness institute contributor, and CEO of the Middle East leading brain wellness enterprise, KJ International, KJ Levan. Welcome, KJ. And I'm sure all of you can understand why I'm excited about this episode. So, KJ, there's so much there. Would you just be able to explain to everyone a little bit about who you are, what you do, and about KJL International? Yes, of course. Thank you so much, David, for that great introduction. And yes, I'm just excited as you are uh, to be here to share this moment with you and your audience. And it's it's always great to be able to, to share uh, you know, what I do with others and hopefully inspire them in whatever way that may be. So, yeah. So I guess just to give you a little background about why I do what I do, and we'll explain, of course, more about that in a bit. But my, my question is always, uh, what does it take in the way we see ourselves, uh, our thoughts, our emotions, and our stories that help us to thrive in an increasingly complex and fraught world? And so this is the crucial question that has been at the center of my life's work, because, David, as you probably know, as many of us, uh, how we deal with our inner world drives everything, mm, every yeah. aspect of how we love, how we live, how we parent and how we lead. And mm. so the conventional view of emotions as good or bad, positive or negative, well, that's rigid. And rigidity in the face of complexity is toxic. Uh, you know, so in that sense, we need greater levels of brain plasticity for true resilience, thriving, and emotional diversity. Mm. And again, I'll hit more on what brain plasticity actually is, but I just want to explain what it is that my journey has been to this point. Uh, and that started in the messy business of the corporate world. You know, I moved up in an environment as a senior level executive, as you mentioned in the intro there, uh, of a culture and a leadership committed to denial. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's denial that makes past years of self-serving policies and practices possible when people convince themselves they are doing nothing wrong. And in a sense, denial is exclusion. So, yeah. um, but really the first time I learned about the destructive power of denial, it was at a personal level 
before I understood what it was doing to corporate culture. And so uh, it took an unfortunate uh, circumstance to happen after losing a very dear friend of mine unexpectedly in the prime of his life. I struggled uh, mentally and emotionally depleted. I began to spiral down, isolated fast, and I stopped my regular workouts, which is unheard of for me. Uh, and I began unhealthy eating habits, uh, refusing to accept the full weight of my grief. Uh, no one knew. And in an environment, particularly of today, uh, you know, that values relentless positivity, I thought nobody wanted to know. But I'm grateful that, uh, David, my, my executive vice president, my mentor, uh, was mindful. And his empathy invited me to show up authentically to my grief and my pain. And, and that invitation allowed me to begin healing the many emotions I was feeling uh, because of this, this tragedy. Mm. And like a soccer player, I began moving beyond the rigidity of denial into what I've now come to call brain plasticity. And so that traumatic experience almost 20 years ago, uh, that was the start of a revolution that shaped my life's work at this time. Mm. And I, I guess you could say my, my mentor's empathy uh, was the spark for change and my courage to act was the flame for, again, brain plasticity. And yeah. so this is what has influenced me and inspired me to practice and teach uh, how you can use your mind to change your brain for the better. Yeah. Uh, and so in a larger scheme of things, uh, my vision and initiatives are really uh, dialed into the United Nations and the World Health Organization's sustainability development goals. Uh, because Without addressing brain health, uh, communities and workplaces are going to continue to be increasingly challenged to maintain sustainability economically and socially. Mm. So all of that is, uh, again, what has been the, the, the impetus uh, for where I find myself uh, in terms of my passion for wanting to share my experience and hopefully inspire others to dial into, again, uh, this brain plasticity, which is really where we need to be focused uh, rather than just on the components of disease. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have statistics that say a third of all um, brain diseases account for the heavy burden that we find around the world, uh, you have links between depression with neurological disorders, which again starts with the brain and if we're not focused on the brain, then what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like cutting off the tail of the snake, but not the head. So yeah. that is what, uh, again, my work is, is uh, you know, involved with and how it is that I'm, I'm you know, inspired to, to move forward with this to make sure that I touch as many lives as possible. And in turn, my life is touched and touched uh, in the same way. Yeah. And I'd, I love that how you really made like we've all heard the same before the crisis creates opportunities mm. and that crisis that you had 20 years ago that mm. you really that was a turning point in your life and yes. where you had a like you said a mentor a mentor that guided you in the right direction and yes. really pointed you off on that and you know i really love like how you said about neuroplasticity because 20 years ago that that wasn't really that active so would you be mm -hmm. able to explain a little bit more about that? Because I've obviously watched a lot of your videos, 
where you talk about neuroplasticity plasticity and brain plasticity. Would you explain to the listeners what that is and also how you how you've created tools to help them really adapt and grow and exercise their mind? Yes. So to the point that you made about, uh, you know, 20 years ago, uh, this type of science was not uh, on the horizon, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, it was thought that for the most part, scientists believe that once we reach a certain age, our brains no longer had the ability to uh, proliferate, reconstruct, and transform. Well, mm -hmm. a lot of science that has come out most recently uh, has refuted that uh, because it is now true that the brain does change and adapt no matter what age you are. And yeah. so in that sense, uh, my journey, uh, particularly with neuroscience, uh, which of course involves neuroplasticity, which is brain plasticity, mm. uh, that's about changing our understanding of how the human brain works and how and why people behave the way they do. So understood properly, many of these insights are now leading to profound changes in the way businesses interact with their employees, their customers, mm. and even their family business members. Uh, so as you pointed out earlier, uh, the problem is until now, most of this research has been published in specialized journals uh, in alignment with, again, this new science that's rethinking uh, how the brain is able to change and adapt, whereas we, and when it was thought that it couldn't. So yeah. in that sense, uh, I'm working to bridge the gap between rigorous science and the practical needs of business and everyday life. Mm. My work is different, it's new, uh, and it describes the practical management applications of this science uh, in an accessible but in-depth way. And it's yeah. firmly underpinned by a clear explanation of the science behind the actions proposed, whether it be in everyday life or in the boardroom. So when I ask executives, for the most part in the corporate side of this, uh, how plastic is their organization? I'm usually met with you know, blank looks and stares yeah. and, and responses that relate to sustainability or environmental policies. But yeah, actual plastic. Yes, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is relatively new. Uh, and, and so the plasticity, though, it, it, in organizational terms and based on cognitive science, is adaptability, efficiency, and a structural resilience of a business, just as it is for an individual. So uh, a plasticity approach is needed at an organizational level, as well as a personal level, to help keep up with the pace of human, technological, and cultural changes that are facing us all. Uh, and, and so in that sense, you know, it, 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 I, I think most people can relate in terms when you start talking about empathy and mindfulness and all those things there. Uh, the research on this, this neuroplasticity is that it shows intensive exercises in empathy, perspective taking, mindfulness, all these things can break selfish habits and change the brain's negativity bias. So mm. people become more altruistic. And such results are, are they're, they're estimating that that could shake the fundamental underpinnings of orthodox economics and has implications for management too. Yeah. Um, and so that said, uh, KJL International is looking to bridge the gap between, again, rigorous science and the practical needs of everyday life as well as business. Because mm. I can only imagine with that, especially 
like you come from an, an athletic background as do i like i've played football arm wrestling fighting cage fighting boxing awesome. and like it you your mind is a muscle. It doesn't matter what age you are. Mm. If you mm. train it, you get stronger. If you don't, it gets weaker. Yes. And, yes. and yes. is that exactly what you're talking about with neuroplasticity and brain plasticity? That, that is exactly what it is, David. Uh, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people, we, we've had this revolution, of course, back in the 80s uh, with exercise and how important it can help, you know, with your physical, uh, you know, abilities and, and health. Uh, but we haven't spent much time on the brain, the, the most mm, important the drug in our body. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right. If, if you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, you know, those neurons, they have to be activated and, and, and active for them to maintain a certain level of, of um, uh, functionality, if you will. Mm. Uh, and it's just like a muscle. If you don't train it, guess what? It atrophies, right? Yeah. Well, the same thing with the brains, the neurons in it. And so, yes, uh, it really is about being able to uh, not only train your body, but also train your mind in the same yeah. way. Yeah, because I, I can't remember what book it was, but it was talking about myelin, the sheath of myelin that goes through and mm. connects everything up in the brain, where it goes basically in internet terms from dial up, where it's slow, and then you get mm -hmm. broadband, then you get the ultra speed. And mm -hmm. it is just exercising your mind so that it creates those faster neurological pathways. And I can imagine from your side of things as well, working with the C-levels, with the executives, how that would filter down as well. Yes, exactly. And I, I think the, the most important thing here is you've got to understand that, um, as you mentioned myelination is just a basic it's a sheath that protects the neurons in order to produce uh, an efficient uh, communication through and between the neurons and so when that's damaged and and that's a whole nother subject we can talk about for another day uh <laughs> then you you can start you, you can start to see uh you know inklings or or, or um, diagnoses of dementia and mm. of course these days the the most prominent form of dementia is alzheimer's uh, which unfortunately my dad passed away from last year. Mm. Um, and so, you know, this is kind of personal for me uh, in terms of the brain, if you will, and the neurological disorders, particularly with Alzheimer's, uh, set to triple by 2050 uh, around the world as Ooh. dictated by the World Health Organization. Yeah. So again, uh, brain health is, is, is what we should be focused on. And in fact, the World Health Organization now has a dedicated section just to brain health which lets mm. you know and highlights the importance of where we are right now in this, this era of, of you know, the times we live. So mm. uh, those things said, I, I think uh, really when you are not able to have those neurons firing the way they should, then you know, we're, we're, we're seeing the results of that uh, with this tripling of Alzheimer's uh, again by 2050. Yeah, and I know this is going a little bit off topic of company culture, but in a way, it all comes together as well. Where also with an aging population, they say the best time to start exercise for your body is 10 years ago. The best time to start mm. exercise for your mind is 10 years ago. The second best time is here and now. And if we start here and now exercising our brain, well, then in 30 years time, when we get to 2050, we'll hopefully reduce... Uh, the levels of Alzheimer's, dementia, all that sort of the horrible things. 
Yes, and, and that's exactly right, because uh, statistic by uh, the World Health Organization shows that uh, by increasing protective factors, like you said, starting early on taking care of your brain, uh, and decrease in risk factors uh, cuts dementia by 35%, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's just one brain illness. You know, we're, we're not even talking about all the other things like Parkinson's, epilepsy, uh, the mental health disorders, uh, all of these things involve the brain. But yet, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm not saying we shouldn't focus on mental health. Yes, we should, but that's just a component of the system itself, the brain, mm -hmm. uh, which is why I'm so passionate about the fact that we need to focus our attention on that in order, like you said, to begin to help people before they get to a certain stage. And, and all we can do is just uh, manage it rather than treat it. Yeah. Well, yeah, prevention sure. is always better than treating. Yeah, 100%. It's just like stopping a cut as opposed to putting a band aid over it. Stop the cut yes. in the first place by exercising your brain. And I yes. want, want you to sort of discuss a little bit about like like you said 20 years ago you had a mentor that was well ahead of their time but how you've seen the evolution say from 2000 through to now with the way that leaders are with their staff and creating the culture where people want to stay and also the benefits of having a good culture and the pitfalls that happen when you have that dictator sort of leader <laughs> yes i love the where you put that dictator, because <laughs> uh, unfortunately there 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 are some uh, still around. You know, I, I talk to a lot of companies, have a lot of clients uh, around the world, and uh, you can the questions you ask and the answers you get, you can pretty much tell even before you start digging in uh, which culture you're dealing with. And unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of times uh, there is this still mentality of, "Hey, I'm in charge." It's me, 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 do what I say. It's mm. not we, it's never us or, or getting feedback. Oh, I have an open door policy, but yet when people come in, you don't want to hear them. So, you yeah. know, it's paying lip service, which, you know, is really not what we should be doing here. Mm, uh, that could potentially be worse from my perspective. If you go, I have an open door policy, you come in and you're constantly basically shutting the door on people. That's going to put the barrier up straight away Even with more. your employees with the people on the ground floor exactly exactly and that's that's what it does it's, it's counterproductive and and i think uh for the most part when you ask you know how can we help these these companies uh have the kind of culture that would be inviting mm. rather than uh you know upsetting or, or, or putting off uh and having people leave I, I know you've read the news like most of us you know people are saying you know what enough is enough i'm not going to take this anymore i'll go with i'm appreciated respected yeah uh, and, 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 you know, can do my work where I feel I am, um, valued, you know, mm. that's the big part of it. Uh, but I think deeper than that, David, is when we talk about relationships, uh, and, and this is part of, of the brain functioning, uh, some of the tools I use when I'm teaching this, uh, you talked about a lot, my lunation, uh, that's basically innovation, change, progress of a company and taking risk into consideration. But then you've got uh, the, the synapt synaptic connection, the connections between two neurons, okay? And, and hopefully it's the neurons that you want to be firing because you want to create a culture that's, again, inviting uh, and that uh, is pleasing to the people who work there. But when you talk about relationships, particularly the synaptic connection uh, as it relates to the brain, uh, our emotions contain flashing lights to things that we care about. 
And so mm. we tend not to feel strong emotions to stuff that doesn't mean anything in our inner world, right? Uh, so if you feel rage when you read the news, then that rage is a signpost, perhaps, that you value equity and fairness, okay? Yeah. Uh, and so and, and you, you, you're looking for that opportunity to take active steps to shape your life in that direction. So when we're open to difficult emotions, as well as uh, you know, emotions of others, we're able mm. to generate responses that are values aligned. Uh, but the, the caveat here is that emotions are data. That yeah. they're not directives, and, and I can tell you a little, you know, funny story here. Uh, you know, we can show up to and mine our emotions for their values without needing to listen to them. And just like my mom showed up to me when I was a kid, uh, in my frustration with my baby sister, but not endorse my five-year-old idea that I get to give her away to the first stranger I see in the shopping mall, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, that, again, you, you can listen to them, but I mean, you can hear them, but you don't need to necessarily act on them. So yes. we, we own our emotions. They don't own us. Yes. And so I, I love we, that. I love that. When we internalize the difference between how we feel and all of our wisdom and what we do in a values-aligned action, we generate the pathway to our best selves via our emotions. This is what is called brain plasticity mm. or neuroplasticity, one and the same. It's our ability to form new pathways in, in the brain through conscious intention. Okay. So yeah. what does that look like in practice? Well, when you feel a strong, tough emotion, say, you know, you're the boss and, and this employees, you know, you have maybe some uh, some gripe about them or something you don't like about them. And your, your first reaction is to always just shoot off at the mouth. Well, uh, when you feel that strong, tough emotion coming on, don't run for the emotions exits. Mm -hmm. Learn its contours. Show up to the journal of your heart. What is that emotion telling you? And avoid saying, I'm, I'm angry. I am. Or avoid saying, I am. In terms of saying, I'm angry or I'm sad. When you say, I am, it makes you sound as if you are the emotion, whereas you are you and emotion is a data source. Yeah. Instead, notice the feeling for what it is. For example, I notice that I'm feeling angry or I'm noticing that I'm feeling sad. Okay. These are essential skills for us, our families, our communities. And it's also critical to the workplace because yeah. in my research, when I looked at what helps people bring the best of themselves to work, I found a powerful key contributor, individual consideration. Yeah. And so when people are allowed to feel their emotional truth, uh, engagement, creativity, and innovation flourish in the organization. Mm -hmm. So when you ask, how is that you know, part of what should be implemented with companies to help them improve their culture? That's one way. Yeah. Yeah, because that, that's a massive way because that one simple change, like we said before about training the muscle, you train your mind to catch the feeling and be able to mm. separate it. And the more you catch yourself, whereas not I'm angry, but why I'm angry, what's that pointing at? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. a different way of looking at it. It can open the door, like you say, to innovation, to people trying new things because they realize if they try things and fail, you're not going to come down on them with a sledgehammer. Right. It's exactly. a completely different way of looking at the same thing. Yes, no doubt. And, and I think the, the most important thing there is uh, 
like you said, catch yourself, <laughs> be in the moment, you know, yeah. because uh, a lot of times we, we are so, um, you know, determined to get what it is that's on our mind out that we don't take this time to think, okay, what is it that I'm about to say and how is that going to resonate? Mm. You know, yeah. uh, that that's, that's can be a huge uh, way of being able to, like I said, dial into your conscious intention and, and, and what word I like to use is pivot. You know, yeah. <laughs> pivot to, to the point where, again, you're asking that question, what is my emotion telling me? And, and notice the feeling and adjust yourself accordingly. Yeah. And even a lot of times, and tell me if I'm wrong with this as well, when, because I, I try and do that myself, I try and catch myself in the moment just to pause and take, you know, that slow, deep breath will enable you just to capture your thoughts and feelings before you mm -hmm. act before you yes. say those things that you can't bring back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. And, and that's uh, something that takes practice. It's not, mm. <laughs> you know, there's no magic <laughs> pill for that. Oh, it's tough. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, because we live in a society where it's, it's all about right now, you know, what, what's next, what's next, what's next. Yeah. So but with time over time, for me, I've been able to, to dial into that. I really do uh, more and more have this intuition, which, you know, I'm sure we can talk about this as well. Uh, this third eye, which is one of the chakra energies in the body, uh, to be able to dial into the awareness, okay? Uh, because we, we're not the body, we're not the mind. We are the awareness of the mm. body-mind experience, okay? Yeah. And in that sense, when you have that kind of uh, uh, thinking and mindset, uh, again, it, it, you start to be able to have these moments of, taking a step back before you react or respond. Uh, yeah. Because again, uh, it really is your, your power, your power to create your thoughts is your power to create your life. Mm -hmm. If you think about it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You know, I love that. And just, yeah, being able to be in the moment as well. So it's not just reacting willy nilly with yeah stuff that you can't take back, just constantly that awareness. And like you said, it just takes practice and practice mm -hmm. and more practice and yes every day we're practicing every day we're moving that little bit forward yes no doubt and and it's like my uh my my executive vice president the mentor that i had that helped me to you know get back on track uh it, it takes maybe someone like that in your life who can uh kind of shake you and say you know what um i'm here for you i hear you i see you mm. uh and and so even those little small acts, it, you know, it, it might be a simple act, but it's, it can be revolutionary, which it was for me, because at that point, I, I began to journal, uh, write down my thoughts, my feelings, uh, all those things uh, came into play to help me get to a better place uh, from that dark, you know, spot in my life uh, mm. relative to my friend passing so suddenly. Mm. And a lot of that as well. And th this is where, say, companies would get someone like, like you get KJL International in, an outside perspective of looking in. Because so often, you know, we have these blind spots because we're in the picture that we can't see and we need someone like yourself, someone like your team to mm. come in and really shine the spotlight on that. Yes, and, and that's what, what we, we do. Uh, being able to, like you said, uh, have the experience, first of all, which is, is personal to me, uh, and being able to use that to help others uh, in their own 
you know, respective uh, lives or areas or, or companies or whatever, whatever it may be, um, because it, it does help that you have a personal story rather than, you know, I mean, I, I couldn't be, you know, having the kind of passion I have without having had that kind of personal experience myself mm. 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, but there are things that companies can do uh, specifically uh, in terms of the, the corporate setting, if you will. Um, and I think as an athlete, you already know this, but uh, one thing is you've got to feed the brain, you know, yeah, <laughs> again, one of the most amazing and complex organs you own is the brain and it's a costly organ to maintain and, and it accounts for 2% of your total body weight, mm. but it requires roughly 20% of energy, your energy yes. when you're at rest, pretty significant one for one organ, right? Yeah. So uh, that's the first thing you've got to feed your brain and, and you know, Vitamin D, magnesium, those are very important in helping maintain a healthy brain. Uh, so, so that's that's one thing. Uh, the second thing I, I try to incorporate with all the other tools and techniques that I, I use to teach corporate, uh, you know, people as well as individuals, is uh, like you said before, like muscle building, neuroplasticity or brain plasticity needs downtime in order to do its work properly. You know, mm. I mean, I, I used to when I first started bodybuilding back in the day, lifting weights. Oh, I got to get to the gym, work out, you know, and, and just hammer my muscles every day, every day. And I'm sure maybe you've experienced that like most of us, right? Yeah. <laughs> but you, you can't, your muscles don't grow when you're pounding them. You, you have yeah. to give them rest. Yeah, the and recovery so, time, yeah. Exactly. And so leaders and managers should embed and enforce a close the day ritual that prioritizes reflection and gratitude for small wins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's an end of day Slack message saying, Thanks for the great ideas in the brainstorming session today, yeah. everyone. Uh, see you tomorrow. That can help the team feel valued. Uh, and, and putting a hard stop to the stress of the day in a way that also boosts endorphins, which creates perfect conditions for brain plasticity. Yeah. You know, that's the bonus. It, it also sends a signal that it's okay to leave work and unplug for the evening. Mm. You know, I, I think uh, a lot of times I'm coming across uh, these employees who feel like that their work never ends, even when they go home. And, and yeah. it, it's, you know, disheartening when you hear stories about uh, someone at home at 9 p.m. at night, uh, when they get an email from their boss saying, well, I need that report by 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Well, what do you think is going to happen with that person's mindset and, and them, you know, thinking about going to bed, but now they have to worry about this report for tomorrow morning, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, so those little things, you know, again, have to be part of the, the, the resolution and getting the culture to be uh, something that's conducive to, to a good environment. So mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's two. And, and, and another one I'd like to, to share is that um, one of the best things we can do, uh, particularly now that we have online, it's, it's very convenient. Uh, mm -hmm. We can go online and find meditations uh, to help incorporate, incorporate that into the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are multiple online options for that. And you not should. only does this help the positive brain rewiring process, uh, but it also results in team members being able to respond to problems with an increased sense of calm, passion, and mm. awareness. Yeah. So, you know, basically it's brain plasticity at its finest, mm. uh, being able to do that. Yeah, I, I love that. And yeah, like I said, we all have our phones available at us. Yes. So just a simple YouTube um, search, put like I'll put yes. my headphones on at night at, during my lunch break as well to really just escape. And following off the back of that, 
who would be your ideal client and how can they get in contact with you? Yes. So I work with uh, large corporations as well as uh, individuals. And you can go to my uh, LinkedIn, which has a lot of information, uh, KJ Levin, uh, my name, and my website, kjlinternational.com. Um, we're kind of revamping things right now. So, you know, you're going to see some things there, but we've got a lot more that we're going to be uh, putting up so that people can dial into uh, tools, techniques, resources, all those things, which I'm excited about because uh, this is, is, again, uh, something I know that is needed mm. and the science backs it up. Uh, yeah. This is not fringe, you know, well, who do you do that from? No, this is science and yeah. it's purely documented. Uh, and so, yes, they can reach me that way. Um, and like I said, I, I'd love to be able to respond to every person that would like to be involved with helping their brain be healthy. That's what this is all about. hundred percent. And now more than ever, the last, after the last three years where the world got flipped upside down, brain health and mental health is, it's really plummeted the last two years. Mm. Yes, yes. And, and I think uh, what you have is uh, the opportunity which arose from the pandemic, even though it was unfortunate. It was fortunate in mm. the sense to I make us realize how important our brain and, and again, our mental health is. Uh, you know, I would hate to think that without that pandemic, the pandemic, we would not still be trying to, uh, you know, rectify that in a sense of helping people that seemingly are there, but we don't see them. So yeah. <laughs> this has really, you know, helped us to realize, you know what, we've got professional athletes, uh, Simon Bills, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Dak Prescott, all, all these people, you know, in all over the world. I mean, just these athletes that are, are crying for help. And mm. if you can imagine if they're crying for help, how many more people, which yeah. we're, we, again, have already witnessed. And, and it's really uh, something that needs to be addressed uh, and will be ongoing because mm. of the world we live in. But I think more and more as we move out in time and the awareness continues to be increased and there are tools and techniques and culture changes happening in the corporate world, as well as just in the everyday you know, environment, then yeah. those things I think will help get us to a better place. Um, and, and hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. And Ed, as we mentioned with your event 20 years ago, where crisis creates opportunity and we just have to make that opportunity out of this crisis that we've been to been through the last few years. And I'm well aware of the time. And again, I, I said to you at the beginning that I'm sure I'll get carried away and we'll just go off on a tangent. But KJ, <laughs> this is something that I love to ask everybody during the podcast as well. What's three pieces of advice that you give a 15-year-old KJ, not your children, because they'll just go, oh, that's, that's just dad. What does <laughs> he know? But right. a 15-year-old KJ with you, with the experience that you've got now. Yes. Well, you know, I, I think like most of us, uh, we would definitely do some things differently. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think for me, uh, one of the things I would, I, would, I, I would do is to really focus on my passion, what it is that I want to do rather than what is expected of me. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's number one. Uh, the second thing is uh, I would not be 
you know, open so much to working for someone else as be, as opposed to being an entrepreneur. I think uh, being able to express yourself is one of the greatest things an individual can do while they have that opportunity and time. And, and I'm thankful uh, that I do have that time now to mm. do that. Uh, but that would be one thing uh, as well. And, and the next thing would be to um, be able to have this, this sense of calm no matter what. Now, as a 15-year-old, I'm sure... <laughs> Like most people, you know, what are you talking about? You know, at 15 years old, you're not thinking about all the things that come uh, yeah. with, with life once you graduate high school. So, uh, but when you start to develop those kinds of skills at an earlier age, uh, it can have an impact on you. And, and, and for the most part, uh, it has. I, I think I would not be uh, in a sense where I'm at uh, considering how I was able to uh, be as calm in moments that were crisis, crises rather. Uh, and so, yes, I would, I would be more apt to be settled and calm and know that everything is going to be okay. You know, as you're yeah. saying, and I'm sure you've probably heard of this, uh, it, it's not, everything is okay. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Yeah. I love everything that. will and be okay in the end, but <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. We have to go through the rough waters to enjoy the calm no doubt no i doubt love it. About it and and i think that's a fantastic way to to end the podcast so kj i just want to say thank you so much for being a fantastic guest i'm sure the listeners got so much from this as well well thank you david for inviting me and i sure hope they did and i, I really loved uh, being able to like i said share what it is that i experienced and hopefully it'll inspire others to do to do something uh, as well yeah, for sure. And everyone reach out to KJ through his website, through LinkedIn, and your life will be better for it. Thank you so much, David. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Dynamic Company Culture Spotlight podcast. If you're a successful chief operations officer, human resource manager, or someone that runs a successful business that also has a great company culture, and you believe that you have a story to share with the wider community and would like to be a guest on a future podcast, please visit the link below. Or if you can think of anyone who you know would be a brilliant guest on this podcast, tag them in. And as always, feel free to share this far and wide. The further we can get this podcast, the more impact we can have. So don't forget to share this on all social media platforms and help others along the way. Don't forget to tag the DCCS podcast as I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. As we post regularly, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss episodes that will possibly help your business ramp up to a